0: again, be able to listen to His Holy Word. Today, we're talking about walking in expectant prayer. And basically, when we really pray, we should have an attitude of expectation. Normally, when people begin to pray, they have the attitude of, uh, well, I might as well pray so that at least something might happen, something might not happen. Okay? It's like uh, the attitude of people who are buying lotto tickets, might as well buy something. The numbers might come up. Something might happen. We need to understand that prayer is not a hit or miss thing. Prayer is a sure thing. You understand what I'm saying? Prayer is not something that, well, if you pray, okay, uh, it depends on whether God is in the mood or not. Okay? Sometimes God hears. Sometimes God doesn't hear. Sometimes God is in a good mood and he gives you. And sometimes he's not. No. That we, When we come before the Lord our God, we are coming before a God who loves us. We are coming before a God who sent his only son, Jesus, and he told Jesus to tell him about him. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what are the things that Jesus Christ said about God our Father? He says that if God the Father would take care of the birds of the air, and he would take care of the flowers in the field how much more would He take care of us? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, He says, the Father knows our needs even before we ask. Didn't He say that? Hello, we need to understand that, church. And it's not just, when you hear that from Jesus, it's not just Him knowing and not doing about it, but rather Him knowing this and cares deeply about those needs and he's already made provision for those needs. Do you understand what I'm saying? How if you know what you're going to need in the year 2020? You don't. How if you know what you're going to need in the year 2021? You don't. How if you know what you're going to need five years, 10 years, 15 years from now? You don't. God the Father does. And he cares enough to make provision for that. Hello? So we need to understand that that when it comes to prayer, this is not patam, patam, Okay? When we pray, things happen. Okay? When we pray, God hears. When we pray, okay, God causes the resources of heaven to move in your in our behalf. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so we need, See, uh, the the reason I I want to say this is because sometimes we uh, don't have a proper attitude. Uh, We think that prayer is just that sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. I remember being called early morning. Someone was knocked on my door about 5 o'clock in the morning. It was a mother. Her eight-month-old son was in a clinic with with one of the doctors here. And... She said, he's really in a very, very bad way. If I could come, and so I went there, and I went to the clinic, there were three nurses who were taking care of the child, okay? And uh, when the doctor came to me, she, she asked who I was, and I said, I was, I was the pastor, her pastor, and she said, well, that's good you're here. Uh, she said to me, I want you to pray so that they will feel good, and they will have Comfort when the child dies. That's what the doctor said. Okay? She didn't tell me to pray for the child to survive. She did not believe the child could survive. And she did not believe it was a prayer that could be answered. You understand what I'm saying? For her, prayer was only good in bringing comfort to the mother who is about to die. I mean the child. The child is about to die. The doctor explained to me there are three things who's killing this kid. She said that. Okay? And there have been uh, uh, complications. The medicine for this one particular disease complicates this other infirmity. Okay? It it might act on this infirmity, but it complicates this, makes it bad. The the medication for this might deal with this, but it complicates uh, the two other diseases. It makes it bad. You understand what I'm saying? And she says we've kind of injected this child with uh, a jolting medication. You know, it's it's something that they use when someone's heart stops. when someone dies, it's just revive revival. And she said, "I can't do any more because any more than that might kill the child. It's only eight months old." You understand what I'm saying? And I said to her, "Doctor, thank you for your advice." But I didn't come here just to console the mother. I just didn't come here in order to, for the mother to have uh, comfort. Oh, that's part of that. I came here to pray for the child to be healed. And she looked at me and she was thinking, oh you're one of them fanatics. Okay? And she just kind of <laughs> walked away from me. She turned her back on me and walked away from me. I knew what she was thinking. She was thinking, you know, you're going to pray for the child to 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 live but if the child dies what is the effect on the mother okay would it not shatter them because she that's how she believed she did not think prayer would work did the child die yes three times but by prayer the child came back to life again do you understand what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, there was a time when he grew up, he served as one of our acolytes. you understand what I'm saying? He's married now. He's living, I think, somewhere in Luzon. Prayer works. Hello? So we need to understand this, church. Uh, but see, sometimes we grew up with an attitude that Might work, might not work. Jesus Christ was very definite. He said, ask and what? Are you sure that's what he said? Because many people think like this, ask and maybe you might receive. That's what the scripture says, ask and you shall. That's very positive, right? And yet, people read that with a filter in their mind. Even though it says, ask and you shall receive, they're thinking, ask and maybe you might receive. You understand what I'm saying? Hello? There's no boldness when it comes to prayer. I mean, when, when, when we come and have a prayer meeting, not many people come.
1: When we have a seminar, how to
0: abound in prosperity, they come. You understand what I'm saying? But when we come come here and say, well, we're just going to pray, not many people come. Why? Because you're really not convinced it's going to work. But you need to understand that God designed prayer to work. Hello? So we need to understand this, church. Okay, let's go through. I'm just getting getting ahead of myself, okay? Uh, Basically, there's going to be a lesson I'd like to talk about. It's basically this. Let us persevere in prayer before a willing, gracious, generous, and faithful God, a loving God, faithful and loving God. Okay? Let us persist in prayer before a willing, a gracious, generous, faithful, and loving God, okay? I mean, we're not coming before someone who's irritated with us. We're not coming before someone who acts like, oh, we've disturbed him again. You know, some people think that when we come down, excuse me, God, yeah, what do you want? Some people think that's how God responds to them, no. Do you understand what I'm saying? God wants you to come to Him. You are not a disturbance to Him. You are not an irritation to Him. You are not an interruption to Him. Do you understand what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, when you pray, God is willing to interrupt the flow of physics and natural laws just to answer that prayer. He made the sun go back. He made the water stand in a heap. He caused the fire to be powerless before Daniel and his four friends. You understand what I'm saying? He will subject the laws of physics and natural laws uh, to an interruption simply because we pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we need to understand this, church. Uh, the God whom we're going to is a God who loves us. He's a God who's faithful to us. When you talk about someone who's faithful, he that means you can rely on him all the time. He never changes, okay? He never gets weary of doing the same thing for us, and blessing us, and helping us. He's a God who's generous, he just doesn't give. He overgives. You understand what I'm saying? There's always a surplus, an abundance of those things. He's a God who's gracious. He is not bothered by us. Well anyway, let's go to the Gospel today. <laughs> Hallelujah. There are two things I'd like to share with you from the Gospel. From verse one to five, Uh, I'd like you to have this thought. Never be discouraged in prayer. Never be discouraged in prayer. And the second thought, basing this in verse 6 to 8, is this. Remember God's faithfulness in prayer. Remember God's faithfulness in prayer. Okay. Let's go back to the first one. And let me just read verse 1 through verse 5. It says here, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose sight. Let me just stop it for a while. Normally, Jesus Christ gives a parable, and after the parable is uh, given, then he comes up with a punchline. Okay? Okay, the first shall be last, the last shall be first, etc. etc. Okay? But here, uh, St. Luke, the one who wrote, tells us the point of the parable even before the parable was spoken. In other words, prayer is such an important thing, he wants us to get the point. Hello? Okay, he tells us the point of the story is this. What is the point? That men always ought to pray and not lose heart. We don't even know what the parable is yet. He hasn't spoken it yet, but even before giving us the punchline, Saint Luke says, this is the point of this parable. Okay, before the parable is spoken, this is the point. Don't lose the point of this parable. This is what God wants you to remember from this particular parable, okay? He said, what is the point? He spoke a parable to them that, this is the point, men always, okay, not sometimes, not only when you're in the mood, not when the circumstances are favorable, not when it becomes uh, desperate, Okay, some people make prayer the last resort. It should be your first response. Hello? It must be your life's recourse. For people, they only rely on prayer when everything has failed. Well, if you start with prayer, then things might not fail. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you getting this? Okay. He said, men always ought. The word ought means this is a necessity. Just as eating meals, they are a necessity for us to survive. He's saying prayer is also a necessity. It is not something like a hobby that you can do it and do without. How many of you have hobbies? Maybe it's playing chess, or playing tennis, or playing something. But see, with hobbies, sometimes we choose, okay, I don't want to do them right now. Okay? It's not a hobby. It's a necessity. God designed that for His will to be established on the earth, He coordinates with the man that He has created, and has given dominion and authority on the earth. Anything that happens here on the earth will happen through the man that God has placed on the earth. There is always going to be a coordination between heaven and earth. Okay? One of the things that we see from the Holy Scriptures when Jesus Christ came, one of the things He always did was He prayed. Before He chose His 12 disciples, He spent the entire night in prayer. One time, Peter was looking for Jesus. He was not in his room. He was in a hill somewhere. He was alone, praying before God Almighty. And when the disciples came to him, of the many things that he has done, they came to him and requested, Lord, teach us how to pray. They didn't ask him, teach us how to preach. They didn't ask him, teach us how to do signs and wonders. He didn't say, teach us how to give a point-by-point sermon. Teach us how to relate to people the way you relate to people. That's not what they ask. They ask him, teach us how to pray. And with that request, the Lord gave us what he says, When you pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Do you understand what I'm saying? His, his life is marked with prayer. And he's telling us that this is not just good for him. This is also good for us. It is a ne- just as it was a necessity for him, it is also a necessity for us. Amen? Are you, are you even interested in this? <laughs> All right, but he said, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray, it's a necessity, and not lose heart. Now, the word lose heart contains certain meanings. The word lose heart means, it means not to be afraid. In other words, uh, men always ought to pray and not to be afraid. Why do men become afraid? Because things get really, really bad. Jesus talks about what's going to happen in the end days, how the problems might seem so terrifying okay things get really really bad and because of this people become afraid and when you're afraid you can't think and some people stop praying because they're afraid okay Uh, to lose heart also means not to be discouraged or or to faint you know someone who faints is someone who just loses all consciousness and falls down He loses the strength to go on why do people faint because the problems the hindrances, the obstacles become so overwhelming, okay? They're looking at the problems instead of looking at the bigness of their God. They're looking at the bigness of Goliath. They forgot the bigness of God, and because of this, the problems overcome them. They faint, they lose strength, and they don't even bother to pray. It means not to become weary and not to become tired. Men always ought to pray, not become weary and tired. Why do men become weary and tired? Because it seems like there is no end to the battles. You're dealing with this problem and you're getting it sorted out, then one problem comes up. And then you have to deal with this, and then another problem comes up. And then this problem that seems to get sorted out becomes so overcomplicated again, and people get tired. They get weary, and they say, Why, Why bother praying? It's not working. Okay? That's how people behave sometimes. And he says men always ought to pray and not become weary, not lose heart, not faint, not become afraid. Also, it means not to despair. Okay? Uh, to despair is to lose all hope. A, pe- a person who no longer has any hope doesn't even bother praying because for them it's no use you understand what I'm saying okay why why do they go to despair because it seems that there is no answer that is forthcoming I wish God would answer our prayers instantly the next day or the next minute or the next hour but it doesn't work that way because Jesus Christ never said it this way ask and tomorrow you shall receive. Is that what he said? He just said you receive. When? He didn't say. He didn't say, ask, and after three days you shall receive. He said, ask, and after about a month, you will receive. you don't receive after a month, forget about it. That's not what he said. Do you understand what I'm saying? People ask, and when they don't see immediate results, they give up. They lose heart, they faint, they become weary, they become tired, they become afraid, and because of that, they stop praying. And the less prayer you offer, the more the enemy gets a foothold in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? See, we need to see this church, and he said in verse 2, Saying there was a certain there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me, for, for my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she wearies me. Okay? Now, there you go. Know, some people have asked. I'm, some people have asked me. That, I, mean, I also asked. That, I'm puzzled by this. Why is God comparing himself to an unjust judge? Okay? Number one, he's not comparing himself to an unjust judge. If there's anything about God, he is just. Justice. righteousness, they are the foundation of his throne. The moment God stops becoming just, his throne would crumble. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? Okay? See, what God is saying is this. If a woman, a widow, at that time, widows were symbols of helplessness okay it's not like today in our culture today women you can become career women you can uh make your own mark in society but during that time if your husband dies you're basically helpless unless you have sons who would help you okay or a benefactor who would cover you and help you okay so basically she's helpless and uh Apparently there was something that was done against her and it was not right. And she had no other recourse but to go to an unjust judge. I take note how the Bible uh, 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 describes this judge. It says this judge does not fear God. If that that person does not fear God, okay, then he cannot be just. You cannot expect the right thing from him. This person cannot be trusted because he does not fear God. Do you understand what I'm saying? If he does not fear God, then he does not fear the commandments of God. Okay? There is no basis for any kind of morality when it comes to Him. Our morals are based on the commandments of God. Okay? For him, it doesn't matter what God says. I will only do what is right for me. It says he does not fear God and what? He does not respect man. In other words, he doesn't care about the needs of people. He doesn't care whether he makes a right judgment or not that will really write things of that. So I don't know exactly what kind of a judge he was. Maybe he only caters to the wealthy. Maybe he only caters to the influential. Maybe he's someone whose decisions and judgments were for sale. If you give me money, then I will render a verdict that is favorable for you. Sound familiar? Okay. And this was the only recourse this woman had. But she was poor. She was a nobody. She had no money to give him. The only thing she had was time, and she was going to this judge day and night, day and night, day and night. And she was asking, avenge me, give me a righteous verdict. And it says, it says here, this unjust judge said, and he would not for a while. In other words, It is not the desire of this judge to help this woman. He had no compassion. He had no mercy. He had no grace. He had no goodness. And because of that, he had no time for this woman. He was not inclined to help this woman. This woman was a nobody. There's nothing I could get from her. Okay? That's what it says. He would not for a while. But afterwards, he said within himself, though I do not fear God, even he admits it. Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her coming continually she wearies me. Now, they know what she said, what he said. I will avenge her, by because her need touched my heart? Because I see the injustice that needs to be righted? Because I woke up on the right side of the bed and now I just want to do at least one good deed in my life? No. They know the reason why he was going to help her. I'm going to help her because she's troubling me. It's not good for my image that she would come to My office, they might help me help me walk with the neighbor's thing. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? He, he, it looks like he was helping her, but he was not really helping her, he was helping himself. He just didn't want uh, the irritation. The interruption, the disturbance that comes with this moment. You know, if this were a guy who came to him, maybe he could have had him killed. But this was a widow, and if something happened to the widow, you know, society had uh, compassion for the helpless, at least during that time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello. So he said, I'm going to adventure. Not because I'm convinced of her need I'm gonna help her not because there's nobody else and I'm the only one I'm gonna help her because it's irritating coming I need to have my own peace of mind I'm going to do this just to get rid of her you understand what I'm saying that is a very selfish reason do you understand what I'm saying now you need to understand Jesus Christ is saying, if a helpless widow will persevere even when her circumstances are unfavorable, there's nobody she could go to. There's no judge who cares for her. But even though it's like that, she would not give up. He says, why would you, the church, give up when you have me? You understand what I'm saying? Okay? That judge doesn't love her. I love you. That judge is not disposed to help her. I am disposed to help you. When you speak on yourself, Jesus Christ said, but you, when you pray, go into the inner room, the secret place, the closet, where your Father is. Even before you get there, He's already He's waiting for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? This woman would not give up when she had every reason to give up. This woman kept on hoping when there was no longer any reason to hope. And she said, if she can do that, why can't you do that? You're not coming to an unjust judge. You are coming to me. I'm the God of the universe. I created you. But more than that, I chose to have a relationship of a family with you. I'm not just your God. I'm your father. And Jesus Christ says, if he cares for the birds of the air, and he cares for the grass, the flowers of the field, would He not much more care for you? Okay? So He says, why would you give up? You're not coming to an unjust judge. When you pray, I understand. I have compassion on you. I know exactly how you feel. I know where you're coming from. You might not even be able to describe your problem accurately to me, but I know. Okay? And I've already made provision for that. According to Hebrews 4, it says there, Come boldly before the throne of grace, that you might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In other words, the answer to the problem is already there. And when you pray, you just come and get it. Are Are you getting this? All right. And when he, when he answers your prayer, it's not because he's irritated; it's because he loves you. Now, I know is not part of the gospel today, but let me just read this from John chapter 16. Uh, let me read beginning at verse 23, okay? Verse 23 says, John 16, we'll, we'll read this up until uh, verse 27. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now they know, he's saying it this way. Guys, I understand what you're doing. If you need something from the Father, you talk to me, and you ask me, can you ask the Father? Okay, I'll ask the Father in your behalf. But I'm telling you, the day will come but you can go directly to the Father in my name because you're my brother now, okay? You carry the family name. You go to the Father in my name and he will get re- listen to you. Now verse 20, 25, continuing, These things I've spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I no longer speak to you in figurative language but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you love me and have believed that I came forth from God. In other words, what he's saying is this. Every time you need something from God the Father, you come to me because you understand I know the Father. And if you have a request from him, you want me to ask him for you, I'll gladly request it for you. But you need to understand the Father Himself loves you. And on that day, what day is he talking about? The day that Jesus Christ pays for our sins. The day that Jesus Christ dies on the cross, and gets buried for us, and rises from the grave. And he opens the door of the Father's blessing to us. He says, on that day, You can go directly to the Father in my name. And whatever you need, whatever you're facing, whatever is your concern, whatever is the situation, whatever is the trial, is it financial, is it physical, is it sickness, is it in the family, is it something about the work, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. For the Father himself, what? Loves you. Unlike the unjust judge. And no love for man. Didn't love God. Therefore, he, he will never love the creation of God. person who loves God will love the creation of God. person who loves God will love the man God is created. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? See, and he said, this guy... Doesn't love her. Doesn't care for her. Doesn't think she's important. Doesn't think she's worth his time. But she keeps coming. And because he gets so irritated, that's the only reason why he avenges her. He says, when you come to the Father, it's never, ever going to be like that. When you come to the Father, you come into the presence of someone who's looking at you. Longing for you. Someone who wants you there. Okay? Someone who loves you. Someone who has compassion on you. You know what compassion is? is? It's more than just sympathy. Sympathy is, I feel your pain, but that's that's it. Compassion is, I feel your pain and I am compelled to do something about it. You understand what I'm saying? Your father is not an unjust judge. He's someone who loves you. He's someone who cares for you. He's someone who longs for you. He's someone who wants you there. He's someone who's dreaming of the day when eternity comes and we will stand side by side throughout eternity. Do You understand what I'm saying? He's, he's saying, if that woman Facing an unjust judge would continue and persevere, then my church facing a loving father should have more reason to continue and persevere in prayer. That's what he says. Right? Are you getting this? Are you getting this? Let me tell you, I'm not God. I need to know if you're getting this. Alright? So let me just continue reading from uh, Luke 18. He says, uh, uh, verse 6. And the Lord said, but we get to the second. Uh, it's because of God. When we pray, oh, uh, when we pray, always remember God's faithfulness. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? he bears long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. He will not procrastinate. Unlike the unjust judge, he would not for a while. Okay? But our Father, he says, he will do it quickly. And one of the the stories we find in the Holy Scriptures is uh, in the book of Daniel. How did Daniel was praying for understanding? And after 21 days, an angel, the angel Gabriel, I think was the one who came to him, and said, Daniel, I just wanted you to know, the first day you prayed, your voice was heard. That's what he said to Daniel. The first day you prayed, the Father sent me to answer your prayer. The first day you prayed. So, if the first day he prayed, <coughs> he was sent. Answer the prayer. How come it took 21 days for the agent to finally be able to deliver the prayer? I'm sure they do not have the kind of traffic Metro Manila has. You understand what I'm saying? He said it this way When I was getting to you, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, he's talking to a demon principality, was blocking my. Is that what I'm saying? There is someone who doesn't want your answers to get to you. And hopes that if he can delay the answer long enough, that you will become weary, you will become tired, and you will lose faith and say, I guess God didn't hear this. Okay? Kingdom of Darkness was trying to stop Gabriel. And then Gabriel said, and then God sent Michael, the archangel. And because of that, I was able to get through. Okay? Yeah, you need to understand. We are living in a world where there is time. We have a yesterday. We have a today. We have a tomorrow. Okay? Where God is, it's eternity, it's one eternal now. When we pray, it shoots up to him. It leaves the world of time and space. It goes into the eternal heavens. It goes through the the third heaven, the first heaven, goes through the second heaven, and gets to the third heaven, the heaven of heavens where God lives. And it gets there quickly. According to someone who went to heaven came down, he says uh, the prayers of the saints travel much faster than the saints who are underreading. God the Father hears this and dispatches an angel or whatever in order to get the answer to us. It comes from the world of eternity where there is no time and then it enters our world where there is time. You understand that? Hello? And so, when, do, when does it get to us? I don't know. Jesus does not specify. In all of the, the promises concerning prayer, he just tells us you will know, get an answered. When I don't know. That's what he said. Ask, and after three days it will be given. But that's not what he said. that it should be given. When I don't know. What so whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have that after three weeks. No, that's not what he said. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you after one month. No, that's not what he said. He just said, "You do it. When." I don't know. So from the time you pray, and from the time you actually possess, take hold of, the answer, there is a waiting period. What do you do in the meantime? Keep an attitude of faith. You understand what I'm saying? Don't start mumbling and praying, ah, I think God can hear me. Ah, I think it's too hard for him to answer. Ah, I think he yeah, when you, when you mumble, groan, and, and, and complain and murmur during the in-between period, you are short-circuiting your own plan. Hello, So we need to understand this church? And Jesus Christ asked the question, I tell you, he will avenge him speedily, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? See, this was happening during the time of the early church, uh, during St. Luke's time. And you know, they, they thought that Jesus Christ would come during their time. Jesus Christ talked about his second coming, right? They thought he would come during his time. And things were really turning from bad to worse. And they were thinking, how come he's not coming in? Doesn't he know that we're suffering here? Doesn't he know that we have all these problems here? Why doesn't he come again? And so many of them were getting discouraged because they were focusing more on the problems instead of God and the promises some of become so discouraged, become so embittered against God, that it's something to begin to blame God and get angry. Imagine this, getting angry at God. But there are people who actually get angry at God and stop praying. I'm not going to church. Let's see if you can survive. Huh. <laughs> you think God's world will crumble because you decide to have a strike and go to the church? No. Your word may is horrible enough. not. Do you understand what I'm saying? We <laughs> need to understand this church. It's really foolish for people to get mad at God. Okay? But, you know, there was some misunderstanding at that time. so uh, They had to discuss, explain to them that he's coming back. He didn't say when, but he was coming back. And according to St. Peter, the reason why He's holding back until now because he's giving as much chance and as much time, waiting for the last soul to come into the kingdom of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then he asks the question, but when he comes, will oh, the Son of Man find faith? What's he saying? If you no longer believe, you no longer will pray. What I have faith in God. Well, I believe you have faith that God exists. But if prayer is not an important activity to you, then I question whether you believe God is relevant in your life. I question whether you believe God can actually help you. You understand what I'm saying? Because he equates this, uh, Jesus Christ equates the level of faith with the level of prayer. The less prayer, the less faith. That's what right? The point of the parable is that people always ought to pray and not think. And then he asks the question in the end, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he comes back? That means before he comes. And, and, And I'm telling you this, things are becoming, there's going to be what darkness is going to do, it it look really, really bad. And darkness wants you to focus on the problem so that you will stop praying. But then there's also the light of God that will be shining. And God wants us to be in that side where we will always be praying. Praying works. Because of prayer, I survived my day in the hospital. I was 42 years old and the doctor told me. My life is limited. I'm 62 years old now. I can equate that in prayer. We had a friend who got in prison in Saudi Arabia, and every time they would visit him, they would transfer him to another prison so they would not see him. And you know, they said, you know, they normally do this, and sometimes people just kind of disappear. They, you never see them again. And one of the daughters became desperate. One of the uh, the, the siblings got that, and we prayed for them a couple of months and then one day his brother came home and he asked what happened well i don't know he just asked for my name I said you, you're free to go i didn't ask questions why but free to go so i go well, here i am we've had a case where a man was lost at sea one night he was there the next morning he was no longer there and after one week there was people saying well that person is dead he's lost at sea we kept praying, and one day that man came home. You understand what I'm saying? Prayer works. Prayer works. And Jesus Christ is saying, "Men always ought to pray, and not lose." Amen. Yeah. How many of you sleep stomp at